Good morning. morning. So good to be with you here. Uh, Good to have some of you worshiping with us online today as well. I'm glad you're here too. Uh, My name is Pastor Adam. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, this is actually the final week of our series called James, Advice for Refugees Traveling the Jesus Road. We've spent a few weeks looking at the advice from the the book of James. Um, You see, James was writing to refugees, the people that he used to pastor in Jerusalem. They all fled for their lives under persecution. They were refugees away from Jerusalem. And James wrote a book, or he wrote a letter, which is now called the book of James. He wrote this this letter to them, giving them advice of how to follow Jesus on on his road, how to follow Jesus on the Jesus road uh, in the midst of your refugee life. And if you think of it, that can include us too. Our home is not 46793, 46706, wherever. That's not home. That's, a, that's, that's where you live at right now, but home is heaven. Amen. Our citizenship is in heaven. So right now, we're all, if you're a believer, your forever home ain't here. It's in heaven. So we all are on a Jesus road living as refugees. So this advice is very pertinent to us as well. If you missed a week, you could always catch up online. The first week, I shared how the Jesus road is bumpy. We should expect trials and temptations if we're actually doing what Jesus says. Second week, we heard that the Jesus road is very demanding. Third week, I shared that the Jesus road requires that we recognize the sovereignty of God, which says, if God wills, I get to live, and also submission to God, which says, what kind of life do you want this to be? And last week, we heard lessons about following Jesus in everyday life, including at work. The advice last week was, was actually, uh, in, in James chapter 5, he's starting talking about, like, in your jobs, like, we can apply these things at our jobs. Today, we're going to look at the final eight verses of James chapter, uh, James chapter 5. James ends his letter summarizing two things. He's pushing two things, prayer and community. Everybody say prayer. prayer. Everybody say community. community. Those are the two things that he pushes in these last eight verses, and we're going to look at those ideas today. My goal today in this talk is to build your faith to pray and to ask other people to join you. Those two things, to build your faith to pray, to ask somebody else to do it. That's the community piece. Why? Because, well, James says so. We'll get there. So let's dig into these verses and see what we're going to learn from the book of James chapter 5. Here's number one. First thing we can learn. Number one, God should be the first person we run to. God should be the first person we run to. James chapter 5, verse 13. Let's look at it here. Is any one of you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. It goes on. If you're sick, pray. So in the good times, pray. In the bad times, pray. Stephen Curtis Chapman had a song about that. Let us pray, let us pray. Everywhere and every way. Every moment of the day, it is the right time. If I knew all the words, I would keep going right now. <laughs> but he wants to answer us, so let us pray. <laughs> all right. So what he's saying is, is if you have something that you need to share, let's, let's share it with God first. Yes. He wants to be your first person. In, in every situation, think of it this way. When you have a really, really bad day, that, that jerk cut you off in traffic, or that jerk at work did something again. 
You just need to vent. Who's your first person? Like, maybe some of you have, like, a first, like, your first person's, like, Sandra in study hall. Or, or, you know, somebody at home. I gotta, I gotta come home and tell my husband how stupid he is, even though somebody at work is who I'm actually mad at. <laughs> According to this passage, Jesus would like to be your first person. Amen. If any of you in, in trouble, let them pray, James says. Uh, elsewhere, David, David said it like this. He says, he's always there to help us in times of trouble. I find it interesting that when people are in trouble, they say, God, where are you? He is there. He is there. If you're looking for God, if you can't find God, just get in some trouble. Get into some trouble because he's going to be there. He's always there. Or if something great happens, who do you run to? Something awesome happens. Like, let's say, let's say you, won, you won the lottery. Miraculously, you didn't even get a lottery ticket, and you still won. <laughs> so, so let's just say you won the lottery. I like that. Who are you going to run to? What's the first thing you run to? Is it, is it Sandra in study hall? Is it your spouse? Or do we do what James says, and if any of you is happy, let them sing songs of praise. We should respond there. James 1.17 also says, every good gift is from God including miraculously winning the lottery, even though you didn't buy a ticket. That would be a a gift from God. I'm not just saying trust God, build your faith. I am saying that. You should trust God and you should build your faith. But there's also an aspect here, I think, of just God being number one. Just keep him first. God should be first. It's kind of his thing. He wants to be first. So if you're in trouble... Run to God. If you're happy, run to God. If you're having an okay day, tell him. Tell him. That's what he wants. He wants to be your go-to person. He's first. It's his thing. And James knows that big brother Jesus wants us to run to him. The writer of Hebrews says, let us come boldly. Everybody say boldly. boldly. Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There, when we, when we go, when we come to God, there we'll find his mercy. And we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. This idea, I don't think, is rocket science to many Christians. So why don't we do it? Like, when we have a hard time, sometimes running to Jesus is on the last last thing we do. Why is that? We need to run to God first, but sometimes we run to everything else first. You know, once I, once I turn to my method of calming myself down, then I'll pray, whether it be pills, alcohol, something else. I, I can self-medicate here. Okay, but like, is there a, some God medication? Amen. Run to God first. If you're in trouble, let him pray. It's at the presence of God we find what we need. But why do we run to other things? And first, why do we run to other things first? I think that if you think about it, the answer's got to be we don't believe. The answer's got to be we don't don't have faith. It's got to be. If we believed that God can answer prayer, that would be the very first thing we would do. In every situation. 
I think too often in our life, I think James is kind of thinking it too. He's kind of nudging the refugees. He's saying, hey, you don't trust God for the things you're supposed to. There's a lot of things you ought to be trusting him for, and you're trusting other things for it. But trust God for it. So let's think about it right now. Is God big enough to handle you and all that comes with you? Is God big enough to handle your relationships? Is God big enough to handle your job? Is he big enough to handle that, that jerk that did that thing again? Is God big enough for you to run to him for the encouragement that you're looking for? For the comfort that you're looking for other, you're, look, you're looking other places for? Is God big enough to, to do it for you? Do you believe it? I want to raise your faith. At the end of this, this talk, I'm going to give you a chance to uh, to be prayed for. We're going to have some people at the front that'll, that'll be ready to pray for you during some songs. And uh, I want to raise your faith now. Because God is big enough to handle you and all that comes with you. He is big enough. He can do it. So because he's big enough, I encourage you to take a faith step. Here's number two, the second thing we learned, number two. A faith step is to ask for prayer. A faith step is to ask for prayer. James continues. He says, uh, is any of you sick? Let them call. Everybody say, let them call. Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they've sinned, they'll be forgiven. So the faithful, so, so we should call on the elders, that's, that's uh, the faithful, the mature, the old people, what that word technically means, old people, which is the respected people, the respected people, the honorable people, the faithful people, the, the godly people. We call on them uh, to pray for us. They have no responsibility, according to this. There's no responsibility on the faithful to run around and looking for the sick, the sick Christians. The sick Christians should call and ask. Yeah, right. Let them call. Why? Because it's your faith step. It's your faith step is to ask. I would never ask for the church of the holy unicorn to pray for me because I don't believe in it. I'm not going to ask someone who worships a unicorn to pray for me because there's nothing there. But would I ask someone that believes in in Jesus, king of the universe, to pray for me? Sure, because there's something there. I believe in it. So when I'm asking for prayer, it is a step of faith. It is a step of faith. By the way, just in terms of evangelism, that is usually an excellent first step for someone. They don't want to go to church yet. They're not so sure about the Christian thing or the Jesus thing. But if you say, can I pray for you? And they say yes, that means that they think there might be something to what you live. That's like a major step. Like, yeah, you can pray for me. I think what you do is more than a unicorn. I think there's something to that. So, sure, let's give it a shot. So it's an act of faith to say, hey, I need prayer. And I'm going to give you that chance to take that step of faith today. Say, yeah, I need some prayer. This passage also talks about anointing a sick person with oil. Why? Why? We have some oil here, by the way. I put some at the front. It's the high-tech version with a little sponge in the middle. So you, you put, stick your finger in it and you get your oil, oily finger. Um, but uh, why? Why does this passage talk about anointing a sick person with oil? Some would say that, um, that James is encouraging medical use. 
like, like medicine, because it was believed in, in the old, like in Bible days, it was believed that uh, olive oil had a medicinal value. The, um, the good Samaritan took the injured man and put um, oil and wine on his wounds, kind of like a salad dressing oil. It's disgusting. Scab salad. Sorry, why do I say these things? I don't know. Making the third graders proud everywhere. All right. If that's what James meant, that doesn't wreck my theology one little bit, uh, because, because God created our minds, and he told us when he created us, and our brains, he told us to take dominion over the earth. And so if, if the mind that God created can figure out a way to use chemicals to help our body work, that, see, all, all scientific achievement is doing is, it, it's amazing, but it's figuring out what God made. It's discovering how what God made works. And if we could take dominion over that and, and use it, cool. That doesn't wreck my theology at all if, if James was saying, uh, use medicine. But I, I don't think that's probably what he meant. Because um, when James said uh, uh, that we should anoint the sick with oil, um, see, Scripture is far more consistent in using oil to refer to setting someone apart for, um, for, for, like for something. It happened all the time in, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. There's a... Uh, a story where Samuel, the prophet Samuel, anointed David as king. He's going to set him apart. Like, this, is, this one's special. Or um, Isaiah had a, a special anointing. The Lord had anointed Isaiah for a special job. Uh, and when, when Jesus himself sent out the 12 disciples to do ministry, those, the Bible says that those disciples cast out demons and healed people when they anointed them. Uh, with oil, so the idea is that they're they're separating someone out. So separation. It's like if my wife buys like five packs of Oreos, she may anoint two of them for the party because we have to take Oreos to the party. So three of them are for the house, and I can eat those, but two of them are anointed for the party. They're set apart. That's what that word means. It's set apart. So when we anoint a sick person with oil, the idea is, it's not, ooh, it's magical voodoo, there's, there's oil there, and ooh, that's, that heals you. It's, it's symbolic of, we're setting you apart for healing, for God to heal you. All right, so oil is setting someone apart for God to heal them, and it can be done by some other righteous people, which actually leads right into the next thing I want to I wanna learn today. Number three, your faith is not just your faith. Your faith is not just your faith. The next verse in James chapter 5 says, says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective. Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. There's a lot of each other's in the Bible. Have you noticed that? Listen to me. Scripture knows nothing of an exclusively personal faith. It's not in the New Testament. Your faith is not just your faith. Scripture knows nothing of a private and personal faith. You have to make a personal decision. You have to choose to follow Jesus. But we live it together. And the only reason you had an, a, a chance to follow Jesus to begin with is because the church carried the witness to you. 
It's the only reason. There was a church. There was another believer. There was a parent. The, the church carried it. God works through the church, and we have a whole lot of one anothering to do. If we're going to do, if we want to see God work, we have a lot of one anothering to do. This verse here starts out saying that we should confess our sins so that we can be healed. It's kind of strange. Like, like so if I have a cold, the reason for my cold is, is because I'm a sinner? Does that mean every time somebody is sick, it's because they sinned? Here's the answer. Maybe. Maybe. There's two levels on this. First, all sin. In the sense of general sin. This world is cursed. And so there is sin in the world. And on one level, sickness is a result of sin, and it is indiscriminate on who it attacks. And it is a big problem. It is a big fallacy for me to say that if you're sick, it's because you sinned. But if you're sick, it is because of sin. Not because you necessarily went and sinned, but because there's sin in the world. That's, that, that is always why there is sickness, because there's sin in the world. When, uh, before Adam and Eve sinned, there was no sickness. But more specifically, there's actually examples in the Bible, and, and this is one of them where it talks about it here in James. Scripture is clear that sometimes sickness is actually because of a personal sin. If that seems strange, go read 1 Corinthians 11.30. 1 Corinthians 11.30 shares how believers had gotten sick because they took communion unworthily. I am not saying that every... So, like, somebody sneezes right now, I'm not going to be like, ha-ha, sinner! No, I don't, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. But God sure knows how to get our attention, doesn't he? Let me just say this. If you're sick, check check. Use it as an opportunity. When there's sickness in your life, use it as an opportunity to investigate your life and say, God, am I okay with you? Not not for condemnation. Not for condemnation. We should use every opportunity to investigate our lives and say, God, am I okay with you? That should take the opportunity. Maybe you get to be homesick for a day and what are you going to do with that day? Watch soap operas? Maybe watch one less and investigate your heart. God, am I okay with you? Is there anything that you want to do in my heart? Take the opportunity. Because you should always, if there's sin in your life, sickness or not, if there's sin in your life, you should want it gone. You shouldn't want to keep it there. So you should want it gone. So how do we do that? How do we get rid of it? James tells us to go to each other. Someone else might be able to see something in our lives that we don't see ourselves. Maybe someone else can see sin in our lives that we don't, can tell us to stop. I've heard a lot of stories of people that have gotten free from an addiction or free from a, from a long hurt. Maybe they were abused as a child, or they did drugs for a long time, or they were addicted to sex or pornography for a long time. And then they found freedom. Those stories never start with, you know, I really buckled down and powered through. I've never heard that story. I buckled down, powered through, and then I got free. Never heard that. 
The people that get free from a long hurt, the people that are in bondage, that get free from the wound of being abused younger, the people that get free from, from an addiction to, to drugs or, or an addiction of the mind or, or pornography or sex, the people that get free, their stories always start with, you know what, I finally stopped believing the lie that I was alone. And I told my small group leader. When I finally talked with my pastor, when I finally got in a group and started going and didn't miss, things started changing. That's how freedom comes about, and that's God's plan. That's how, that's how the Bible lays it out for us. There's actually, if you're interested in this, there's actually a TED Talk called uh, Everything You Think You Know About Addiction is Wrong. And uh, there's some problems with the uh, conclusions that they draw on it, but... Uh, it shows that there's newer research indicating that the opposite of addiction is not sobriety. The opposite of addiction is community. In other words, secular social science has finally proven what the Bible told us 2,000 years ago in the book of James, chapter 5. You're sick. You're addicted. Confess to one another and pray for each other so you can be healed. Here's a really bold statement that we can see in this passage. We go to Jesus for salvation, and we go to his church for healing. The church carries the healing of Jesus. We see it with Lazarus as well. Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. The voice of God saved Lazarus. He came alive. And then Jesus said, you guys, go, go get the grave clothes off of him. Untie him. And the, the church, untied. We go to each other for healing. This is why we have groups in our church. This is why. This is why we actually have opportunities for you to serve and volunteer. You can have community by being on a, on a serve team or volunteering. This is why we have freedom groups to help people. This is why we have opportunities every service to be prayed for at the end. This is why we have a prayer request link on our website. If you go to newhope.in, you can submit a prayer request 24-7. It's always open, and the next morning, it's going to send that email out to whoever signed up for it. This is also why we give you an opportunity on that website to sign up to receive those emails so you can pray for each other. It's because your faith isn't yours. It's ours. This is our faith. And if you want to be free, whole, fulfilled, and restored, if you want that, God probably wants to use another believer to administer his wholeness in your life. And that believer just might be you. James goes on and he reminds us how important community is in our faith. God can use your prayers and your actions to change someone's eternal destiny. James says, brothers and sisters, suppose one of you wanders away from the truth. And suppose someone, maybe you, someone brings that person back then here's what I want you to remember. Anyone who keeps a sinner from going astray will save them from death. God will erase many sins by forgiving them. So because of the faithful witness and activity of the church, more could be righteous. What good, is, what good is it then if we're living righteously? It's actually the final point. The prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective. Number four, prayers can make a difference. Prayers can make a difference. This is one of the most amazing verses in the Bible right here. Elijah 
was a human being, even as we are. So right there, you should be like, duh. There's no big revelation there, but, but he goes on. Elijah was a human being just like you. And what did he do? Okay, let's check it out. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. This actually happened. And again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Think about what a miracle that is. Think about what a miracle that is. Elijah prayed and said, God, stop the rain. Show how powerful you are. And in three and a half years, it don't rain. Do you have that kind of faith to walk outside and be like, let it stay fall? (laughs) Not sure I do. Maybe if we all pray for it to stay fall. No snow, no summer. That'd be great. Satan is filled with lies. He's a big fat liar. And one of those lies that I fear too many of us are believing is that your prayers don't make a difference. It's like, like, oh, you you believe prayer makes a difference. But, But Satan would love for you to believe your prayers don't make a difference. And he's very sneaky about this. He's so, so sneaky. <clears throat> Maybe you think prayer works, but, but your prayers feel like you're talking in the air. It's an empty room. I'm, pe- people go to the hospital for talking to themselves too much. So. <laughs> Maybe that's how you feel. It's a lie. That is a lie that you're believing from Satan. Your pr- there is a person on the other side of your words named Jesus Christ, and he's listening, and he is very powerful. Or maybe you believe prayer can work, but, but you get this inferiority thing. Like, like oh, I'm no, I'm no pastor deal. I, I mean, I could pray, you know, God help me have a good day, but I'm no, I'm no pastor deal. Or, or that worked for Elijah, but I'm no Elijah. Yes, you are. You're missing it. Yes, you are. Put the verse back up. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. Elijah doesn't have nothing on you. Elijah has nothing on you. I'm, I'm, I'm no Moses. Yeah, you are. If you have some faith, you are. Elijah was just a human being. Your prayers can make a difference. And so James specifically, the, the fact that we got this inferiority thing going on, like, well, I'm no, you know, my prayers. That was happening 2,000 years ago too. It's why James had to tell everyone, don't forget what Elijah did. You can do. Stir up your faith. You need, you need a miracle in your life? Stir up your own faith. Look at yourself and say, don't be quiet. There's a relationship between those who are righteously praying, but those who are righteous praying for someone and the person who needs prayer asking. That combined faith is a recipe for supernatural. Would you stand with me? I'm going to ask uh, some people that have been set aside, they're anointed, to uh, pray for you. I'm going to ask them to go ahead and come forward. This past summer, my son did um, swim team, and my son is in third grade, 
He's a little twerp. And, and he was on swim team. They go from like the youngest of the kids all the way up to, to high schoolers. And so I realized he was on swim team with like high school kids. And I got a little worried. I'm like, was well, he going to be able to stand up for himself? Like they're going to be changing in a locker room. Like I'm worried, is he going to get picked on? Is he going to get towel snapped? So I was a little bit worried about him. I had no reason to be. Everybody there was just amazing. It was all great people in that, on that team. But I didn't know that at first. So I was worried. So I wanted to protect my son. And so I got a little sneaky. I went into the locker room way, way ahead of anything, and I met everyone that was on the swim team, and I looked them square in the eyes. Every high school and middle school boy that was on the swim team met me. And I looked them square in the eyes, and I shook their hand, and I squeezed just a little bit. Just, I wanted them to know there's something here to this. And I said, hi, my name's Adam. This is my son. I want them to know, like, before they pick on this kid, I want them to remember. (laughs) Now, there was never any problems. I didn't need to do that, but it felt good to do it. I just wanted to protect my kid. I never needed to flex again, but I stood right outside the locker room, and the door was open to the locker, and I stood right there. I just waited. And all it took, I I know my son's voice, see? And I listened. I was ready for a, Dad? Hey! I was ready for any kind of noise. Because if there was any kind of call to me, guess who's coming? Father. Father knows everyone in there. And Father's ready to stand up for his children. I was just waiting for a call. I was just waiting. What's going on in your life? This, is, this sermon today is a very general call to trust God and trust other people to carry him to you. So what's going on in you? Is there, is there a sickness in your body? We have some people ready to pray for you here in just a moment. Is there an addiction you can't quite get, get out of? Is there a wound? Maybe a hurt that was done to you a whole, long go, a whole long time ago, and you haven't been able to forgive yet. There's some people that are ready to pray with you and guide you along that process. Maybe you're just concerned about something. Your mind is, is fearful. Your minds have these concerns, these worries. That's a lack of, of trust, Really? We have some people that want to pray for you to increase your faith so you can trust God. The Lord will keep steadfast the minds who are focused on him. The Lord will will keep our minds well. So we're going to sing not one, we're going to sing two songs. We're going to leave plenty of room here at the end for you to worship the Lord, build your faith, and come to the front anytime during these songs to ask for prayer. Let's do it now. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we trust you. You created everything. You can do anything, God. We trust you to do anything you want to do. Lord, increase our faith, God. Let's sing it.